It is March. It is madness, and that's going to be replicated this evening with the high school girls basketball playoffs on ESPN-UP. Westwood taking on Nagani, one of the most highly anticipated girls basketball matchups in a long, long time. We're going to have it for you here on ESPN-UP. 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock tip, so just about three hours till we're getting it going. It's my hope that you join us this evening. For now, though, we've got the sports pen. By the time we're done with this episode, two hours until tip, until the big game. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with me. I'm Tanner Hoops. How was your weekend, my man? It was, well, dang, the second half was, it was cold, but it was good. It was a good weekend, good sports. Uh, the Bucks are on a West Coast road trip, mm. so the games were late, but I've been able to watch uh, spring training baseball during the day, Bucks at night, and it's just a great time of year for sports. All the speculation um, with NFL free agency, um, and then obviously the signings that have been going on in baseball. Mm. There's just a lot going on, and the college basketball. Absolutely. It's been fantastic. Um we said not long ago, oh, it's a good time to be facing Indiana. And then Indiana <laughs> goes and wins some games and beats the Badgers. And, geez, now I forget who the heck else they beat there. Oh, they knocked off somebody, another surprising, I'm having a brain fart right now. But, but then, and then the Badgers knock off Penn State and have, so I think they'll hold steady, looking at probably anywhere from a five to seven seed. There's just so much going on, man. It is exciting. You asked me a simple little question I've been going on ever since. Let's get to the show, man. I, this is great. I'm excited. And I tell you what, if you had a contest for wrap up the weekend in a minute, probably won it. Well, pretty good. See, and I'm always winning these hypothetical contests and losing at life. So (laughs) I'm just, man, I just can't. I got to, I got to, I'll catch a break here. Come on. I, got, I have reasons. I have reasons for losing at life, though. They're not excuses. They're oh, reasons. You're not losing at life. <laughs> you're on ESPN Radio. That's right. How could I be losing at life? I'm on ESPN Airwaves. Does it get any better? I mean, really, just for a guy like me, could it possibly get any better? Well, you bring insight from the playing field from your days when you're an athlete, so we've got that to break down. You're an expert at getting inside the players' minds, what have you. And appreciate we need it. That. Absolutely. I appreciate it. And, um, and honestly, um, since, you know, as 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 things change and as the show grows, I, I'm really I, I'm really realizing what a homer I was with my teams, the Bucks, the Brewers, and the Packers. And I'm realizing, just I mean, I was obsessed with those teams, and I I could have known. I mean, obviously, I knew a little bit about what was going on in their divisions, but now as I'm having to expand my sports mind, so to speak. And and learn about look at the Lakers in a different way. Look at all these different teams. Look at the Celtics in a different way. Man, sports it's becoming a whole nother it's like taking on a whole nother dimension. It's great. I'm loving it and I'm learning so much from being here. And man, I just I'm super excited for the show today. Well, I tell you what, before we update the brackets on our greatest movie of all time poll, I wanna ask you this, and here's the thing that I've been asking a few of my guests because it really helps me get to know them. This is about the only time here where you get to be a homer on ESPN Radio. Yes. You don't have to check your phantom at the door. Nice. You're a Wisconsin super fan, Bucks, Packers, and Brewers. Cheesehead. Cheesehead. The, the stinky kind of cheese. So if only one of those teams could win a championship for the rest of your life, which one do you the pick? The Brewers. Really? Not even close, really? man. I love... 
my Milwaukee Brewers and baseball in in Wisconsin has been on shaky ground. Uh, then they built Miller Park, and and it, it became a little more stabilized. Now, thank goodness, instead of moving teams, it looks like there's going to be a baseball expansion. Mm-hmm. I think in the, within the next four to five years, there's I'd like go- to see it. They're they're going to go. There's going to be a team in Montreal. I'm not sure where the other team's going to go, but there will be another baseball team in Canada again. But yes, it would have to be the Brewers. I want to say Packers. And I'd love to say Bucks, but the Bucks just got the new. They got the five serve. They're they're entrenched in Milwaukee for a while now. So so to keep baseball guaranteed in Wisconsin, I'd have to say I'd have to say Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, they came pretty close to a World Series appearance last year. They're gonna have another good year this year. I'm predicting they win 100 games. I man, I I said that myself. I'm I, saying 162 even. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I am I am loving. To hear you say that you think they could, they'll win a hundred games, and and it's so funny because at the start of the basketball season, you told me you thought the Bucks could win sixty plus games, mm-hmm. and I was like, geez, I'm looking at fifty six, fifty eight, sixty. I don't know. And then I think they're going to crush sixty wins this year. So you're totally right about I'm that. On a streak of good predictions lately. You totally are. You totally are. You were, and I mean, I always toot my horn on this one, but we were totally in cahoots as far as the lakers being what the lakers are they are who we thought they were as far as the guys in this room they're pretty bad uh, um but but yeah just uh oh uh, i'd really i'm interested to hear what what were some of the results for this yeah, favorite video bet. well uh we're going through a whole bracket again because there's so many baseball movies we're doing a play-in round for baseball movies and go. we had two football movies i couldn't fit into the top 16 but i threw into baseball anyway because we had open slots and what are you gonna do about it so <laughs> Uh, here are the first results from the play-in round for baseball movies. The Natural beat Hardball, 55% to 45%. Mr. Baseball, 67% to 33% over The Fan, which I think is one of the most underrated movies. Can make the argument that's more of a thriller than a baseball movie, but either way. Moneyball, 87% to 13% for Eight Men Out. Moneyball is moving on. Can see that. And Mr. 3,000, 78% to 22%, moves on over Pride of the Yankees. So those are the first round of play-in games. Here are the ones that you're going to be voting on today. And again, the polls just open for this. You can vote until midnight. Benchwarmers or Trouble with the Curve? Major League against The Rookie. 42, A League of Their Own. Or The Sandlot against Little Big League. Again, the matchups, bench warmers against Trouble with the Curve, Major League, or The Rookie, 42 against A League of Their Own, or The Sandlot against Little Big League. Wow. Go on Twitter and vote for those at ESPNUP. Again, if you don't have a Twitter, make a Twitter. It's pretty good matchups in the play-in round. I cannot believe Major League and The Rookie are going against each other already. I know. It's a blind draw. It's a blind draw. That is a tough one because I could see those two being in the finals against each other. Just, I mean, I, I love Major League because obviously Bob Euchre, but The Rookie is just such a great story. Mm-hmm. And being, I mean, it seems like as far as, uh, I always forget the guy's name who the movie's based on, but it seems like it's a fairly accurate uh, depiction of what he went through and his mm-hmm. life. So, and, and you like that about so many times, so often now, those types of movies, autobiographies, biographies, they change things up. That seems like, from what I've heard, it's a very 
accurate description of uh, his trials and tribulations to get back to the major leagues. It's like a very serious version of Eastbound and Down. And I was going to mention, it's a show, but it's such a good sports show. Mm-hmm. But I guess, I guess it, we can't be voting on that. Maybe we'll do a bracket later for best sports shows, because there's some pretty good ones out there. Yeah, certainly. I can think of a few off the top of my head. I might actually be open to doing that. Maybe we'll do that after the movie bracket, but we start with the miscellaneous movies tomorrow, where you can vote on soccer, volleyball, golf, uh, bobsled. I think we have Cool Runnings in there. So all those movies can be voted on starting tomorrow. Caddyshack. Caddyshack is in there. Caddyshack would win. Caddyshack is in there. I think Caddyshack would have to be my favorite sport. And it, you know, but it's like a, it's more of a comedy than a sports movie. Kind of like you're saying, the one was a thriller. Right. So, but it is what it is. I just love. Gotta love Rodney Dangerfield, right? I love it too. We gotta finally get him. Fantastic. Oh, we finally gotta get him the respect he deserves. Well, we'll see. It's in the eyes of the beholder, in the high, the eyes of the voter, and what have you. I tell you what, let's jump into the NFL to start things off today. Nick Foles expected to be a Jacksonville Jaguar by next week when the new season officially starts in the eyes of the NFL. Jaguars are expected to be the landing spot for Mr. Nick Foles, a guy who's won a Super Bowl as a backup quarterback. He has a Super Bowl MVP. The Eagles said going forward it was going to be Carson Wentz. They would like Foles to stay on as a backup, but can't blame the guy going out and trying to make something of himself, given his second chance. So it looks like that he's going to head down to Jacksonville. Nothing's official yet, but that's the way it's looking right now. He's got his old offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, that just took the new OC job with Jacksonville. And that was the combination when they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I always thought from the beginning this would be the best fit for Foles, so I'm happy for him to be able to see him take it. Yeah, this is exactly, I remember you saying that. You thought the Jaguars, you thought that was a great fit. Um, I wasn't really sure. Um, and, and I'm kind of confused here now because Jacksonville was really a run-first offense there. Um, Leonard Fournette, I mean, Tom Coughlin, with the running backs and the offensive line Jacksonville has, he's going to be looking to run the ball. Um try and take some of the pressure off of his passing game. Um, but John DeFilippo, I mean, isn't that why he lost his job supposedly in Minnesota? Exactly. This is why I yeah. thought this would be the first domino to fall. I remember doing this segment late January is that I believe Leonard Fournette will be wearing a different uniform by this fall. He's already in a lawsuit with his team. Right. And John DeFilippo is brought in as a pass-heavy guy. Mm-hmm. And now Nick Foles is coming to town. I don't see there being a future for Leonard Fournette there. And Nick Foles, um, just as a quarterback, he is successful when he's throwing the ball downfield. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an air it out, big arm type of guy, kind of like Matthew Stafford was earlier in his career. Um, really, he's successful when he's able to air the ball out. He's not as much of a dink and dunker, although he was extremely effective with the run pass option, which could be very effective on a team like Jacksonville, who has been known for running the ball. But uh, like you said, if Leonard Fournette's not there, um, they could still have a very respectable running game, and there's going to be some backs available in the draft. Um, As far as, you know, 
this just makes a domino effect as as far as backup quarterback jobs. Um, the Jaguars got to play Bortle, got to pay Bortle six point six million dollars of his remaining deal. He'll get a backup job somewhere, and then just guys like guys like Robert Griffin the third and guys that were kind of fringe backups. You know, there there's going to be less and less jobs to be mm-hmm. had now. Well, I wonder what they're going to look at doing with Fournette. If they're going to try and move him somewhere, because I might try to invest in my wide receiver core right here. Get someone with the skill set that Justin Blackman had, and obviously he didn't work out. If James Conner hadn't burst on the scene, I would think they'd try to swap him for Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh, because you get rid of the headache that is Antonio Brown if you're Pittsburgh. I don't know that they're willing to make that move, though, knowing that they already have James Conner lurking in the shadows, so to speak. So I wonder where would be a good place that Jacksonville could send Fournette and still get a good receiver in return. I don't know. I mean, that is a very interesting situation. How about Philly? Philly. They need a running back big time. None of them can stay healthy. Right. They've got maybe an influx with Golden Tate because... I mean, everyone knows Carson Wentz doesn't use him. Yeah, and I mean, I I still really like the idea of a, a player for player trade, mm-hmm. and then obviously Jacksonville would have to throw in some picks um, to get uh, Antonio Brown. But but just with how the rosters are constructed and the type of quarterback Foles is, that weapon of Antonio Brown always going deep. That's that's. I mean that's going to be double. That's going to be double coverage guaranteed down the field every time. It's going to open other stuff up for Nick Foles. I, man, you bring that up, and and I really like that. I really mm-hmm. like that idea. But but it's like it's like you said. There there are many other options, and Leonard Fournette's going to be a coveted player. I because with with running backs nowadays, and a lot of teams carrying two capable starters, if not three. Um, you know they're looking. Uh, to get each guy the ball 12 to 15 carries a game and they're realizing that it, it's better um, it it it's kind of quality over quantity and and let's get each guy the ball a few less times but we're going to get better quality out of each run and we can have a higher running average so and and just what that's done to the to the running back position it takes away their value as an individual but I don't know. I mean, that could be really hard to work on a trade for a four net for a wide receiver. Oh man, that's it's just so hard to quantify how you know the the I, I guess the value. I just I just don't know how you quantify that value and I guess that's why these GMs they, they make the hard choices and we just talk about it. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with me. We'll take our first time out when we come back. We'll switch to hoops. Are the Lakers down and out for the count and is andrew bogut nearing an nba return next in the sports pen on espn up check out the up's live and local sports talk show the sports pen weekday afternoons at four on espn up and on the espn up app welcome back to the sports pen on espn up tanner hoops charlie bramer with you Switching over to the NBA, you mentioned that the Bucks are out on the West Coast, West Coast road trip, and they're visiting Phoenix tonight. That game will get going at 9. But the Lakers continue to spiral, and I wonder almost if they're out for the count right now. Um, you know what? They are out for the count. And with how team, with, I mean, the Kings are playing such good basketball, mm-hmm. and, and t- less talented teams. I was thinking about this on my way in today. It's like the Jazz are 36 and 26 playing out in the West 
If you compare the talent on the roster between the Utah Jazz and 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 team like the Lakers, I mean Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, LeBron James. Look at the talent on that Lakers team. I mean, other than Donovan Mitchell for for the Jazz, they're like extremely good role players. Mm-hmm. And and you really wonder, even Moritz Wagner, I mean, obviously there's good players for the Jazz, but they kind of remind me of the 2015 Atlanta Hawks team. Mm -hmm. They're very well coached, and each role player does their job to a T. Why can't the Lakers get more out of their talent? Mm -hmm. I, I was always in agreement with you. Like I questioned Brandon Ingram. He seemed to be very raw. He seemed to be like 2013 Giannis Antetokounmpo. Without as high of a ceiling, obviously. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go that yeah, far. Without as high of a ceiling. But he seemed just very raw. Man, he was torching the Bucks the other day. He's got five or six games in a row now, over 20 points. He's a fairly good rebounder. For how skinny he is, you'd think he'd just get pushed out of the way. Mm. But his athleticism makes up for it. Lonzo Ball was out the other night. Rajon Rondo was like 2 for 10 on threes, which he had no business. Lance Stevenson was out the other night. And they put up 120-some points against the Bucks. This is a talented team. They just cannot play well, cohesive, consistently. Mm-hmm. LeBron James was playing lights out defense against the Bucks. Where is that night in and night out? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's just very, very strange. They could not stop Eric Bledsoe from getting to the hole, and they have athletic, big, good defensive guards. Like, why can't they stop Eric Bledsoe? They couldn't stop Malcolm Brogdon from getting to the hoop. Mm-hmm. The talent is there. What's going on with this team? I really, really think. Magic Johnson needs to take a whole new approach. And instead of just getting random puzzle pieces and trying to mash them together, mm-hmm. he needs to get guys that can play together and be cohesive. And I don't know if he's capable of doing that. I think, to me, he just seems like a guy that is going to acquire talent and hope that it meshes. And and I don't think that that's going to work in Los Angeles like I said, there's teams like the Jazz with way less talent, doing way more, being way more consistent. And we both called it, and I'm going to toot our horns on this for as long as I can because there was so many basketball, great basketball minds like Stephen A. Smith saying how good the Lakers were going to be. Oh, they're going to be a two to four seed. They're not even going to make the playoffs, no. man. And, and we saw that coming from a mile away. Well, I tell you what, here's something else that we both called was that the Pistons were going to go on the upswing. We actually got a tweet about it one time. We were talking about the Pistons and how they're maybe a move or two away from moving up in the Eastern Conference, becoming part of that top six. One of our listeners tweeted at us, I think you guys are way overselling the Pistons. They're not going to contend for the Eastern Conference, but... They're right there. I mean, they're not a bad team anymore. Now they're a team that's going to get into the playoffs by all stretching bounds. They're only six games behind Boston right now. They're not going to make up that ground, but they're certainly not a team that's laughable. Like, you know, right now they're made a couple of moves and they're competitive. Honestly, I thought the Pistons didn't do nearly enough. I thought they could have added more players. Um, like, Pau Gasol, he's headed to Milwaukee. The Bucks are so rich in seven-footers that can shoot the ball. 
Why aren't the Pistons making more of a run at it? That is exactly who they need. Thon Maker fits the mold, but he is not Pau Gasol, at least offensively yet. Defensively, he's leaps and bounds, I believe, ahead of Pau Gasol. Um, it, it floored me. You know, the moves that they made haven't really, if you look at the individual players statistically, they're not they're not having like resurgent second halves of the season they're not lights out thon maker is averaging five or six more minutes a game with the pistons his three-point shooting percentage is down his free throw shooting percentage is down his scoring i mean everything is down with the pistons but yet the pistons are on this upswing eight out of the ten teams in the eastern conference have lost their last game the pistons are the only ones on an extended winning streak and and it's it's just so strange how they've done it. It's like they've done it with culture. They've done it with chemistry, which is what we were just saying the Lakers need to do. Um, it's like they they may have lost some talent, but they became more cohesive. And and they brought in in a guy like Thon Maker. Yeah, his his numbers may not be improved, but I can guarantee you, I've seen him in that Pistons jersey. The guy is happy, and everybody raves about what a great teammate and what a great person he is, and apparently that's making a huge difference with that team, and that is exactly what they needed. And with a coach like Dwayne Casey, you get a few players like Thon Maker to buy in. Pretty soon everybody starts buying in, and things just turn around. And it, I'm really happy to see it with the Pistons. I would love to see a Pistons-Bucks matchup in the playoffs, and so that's kind of what I got my fingers crossed for. I'll tell you what. Thon Maker gets picked up by the Pistons. LeBron James gets picked up by the Lakers. One of them's going to make the playoffs. The other isn't. I, I know there's the whole Eastern Conference right. versus Western Conference thing. But even adding LeBron doesn't seem to be enough to get the Lakers out of the miserable slump they've been in for the last five years. So here's your stat of the day. 25 teams have won a playoff game. Not a series, but a playoff game since the Lakers last did. 25 teams, that's 83% of the NBA, has won a playoff game since the Lakers did. Wow. Mm. Wow. How do you like that? That, when, when, when you put it into context that way, of how bad the Lakers have really been, that, I mean, would you have guessed that? I would not have guessed that. I'd have guessed maybe 15. Yeah. Not, not I would have guessed maybe 50% not 83 percent and and you just look you just look at it's like i was saying before you look at this roster the talent is there they i'm and you made a great point i i heard it coming in um it was a like a little advertisement for for the show is a sound bite a great bite from the show about when does lebron james ask for a trade Mm -hmm. i think the lakers should have been looking to trade him before the, they, I think point. they could have got Anthony Davis. I would trade LeBron James for Anthony Davis and some picks. Yeah, because I know LeBron's the greatest player in the world, but he's not helping your team no. right now. I mean, you'll get a haul for him. Get something back to actually help your team because yes. whether LeBron's a great player or not is not in question. It's the fact that your team's not winning with him. Right. And is he going to be this great in three or four years when guys like Kyle Kuzma and – Josh Hart and Moritz Wagner and Muscala, Brandon, I mean, all these guys are, when they're coming into their prime, is LeBron James going to be that transcendent player that he is now? Is he still going to be that guy then? 
I don't think he is. Mm-hmm. I think he's already. It's it's just watch him against the Bucks the other day. He 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 had his flashes. He'll still have his flashes. He's still the greatest player in the NBA. Even a Homer fan like me, mm-hmm. he's still better than Giannis. But he is not bringing it as consistently as he used to be. And he said, "Oh, I turned on playoff mode." He said that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. That I don't think he has turned on playoff mode. Not and if, defensively. No. And if he did, he's lost the step, especially defensively. The ability's still there, but he just seems like. Is he just really not into this team that much? Mm-hmm. Did he? I mean, I've always questioned why did he go to L.A. I mean, it's a great way to fulfill his dynasty as as a player. If he could go to L.A. and win some championships in L.A., he will be forever beloved and forever remembered. And apparently, it's more important to be beloved and remembered in in a market like Los Angeles or Boston than it is in Miami or Cleveland. Mm -hmm. So so this is what he wanted to do. But I I don't think their timelines are overlapping very well. And and I think this team needs to move on from players like JaVale McGee, LeBron James. Get as much as you can for Lonzo Ball, Reggie Bullock. There is so much talent there that that you could acquire uh, uh, draft picks and other young players. And in three to four years, I mean, it's not like they're going to lose their ability to bring in free agents. Right. And, and in three to four years, with all that draft capital, all that stock, all the guys that they draft – plus the potential free agents they could bring in, we are going to see in 2019 and 2020, 2021, we are going to see the greatest free agent classes of all time. Cash in now. Get what you can for these players. And, and I mean, stockpile talent, stockpile draft picks, and then, and then sign that player in two or three years that's going to put you over the edge then. Because I don't know if LeBron James is still going to be good enough to do it in three or four years. Last thing before we go to break, we'll have to save Andrew Bogut for the next segment, but last thing before we do take our midway break, you saw what the Lakers were willing to give for Anthony Davis. What does someone like LeBron James garner right now, if he were to be on the trade block right now? Because Davis is 25, still in his prime. LeBron is 34 and coming off injury. What would you give up if, at, let's say you're the Bucks GM, what would you give up from the team that you have right now? Wow, I mean, I mean that's really hard to say because a guy like Chris Middleton has a lot of value if you have him on a, de- on a decent contract for three years. Mm-hmm. But with an expiring contract like that, he has almost no value. So, yeah, what could the Bucks give up? Obviously, I would not trade Giannis for him. Would I? You'd have to give up multiple guys. You'd have to give up a Malcolm Brogdon, a Chris Middleton, probably a Pat Connaughton too. A Pat Connaughton, maybe who, a few picks, and and then two or three first round draft picks. Mm-hmm. And would I do that right now if I was the Bucks? I would. I would. would I would do that right now because for the next two or three years, LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo would just elevate the Bucks into the upper tier status of being able to market towards other free agents. Mm-hmm. So they'd be able to to bring in guys to fill the talent gap that they lose to those trades, but it would give the Bucks their best chance to win a championship in the next two to three year window. But if I'm a team like the Pelicans that's building for the future... I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't. I honestly, I probably wouldn't trade for him. Charlie Bramer's in the studio with us. We owe you our next time out. When we come back, we'll break down Andrew Bogut and then. 
breaking down some of Adam Silver's comments regarding happiness of players. Next, the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen, weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Just across the bottom of the hour, here is your Sports Center update. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar has donated four of his NBA championship rings and raised over $3 million this weekend, which he's donating to the Skyhook Foundation, which gives children the opportunity to grow their educational experience in science, technology, engineering, and math. Good for Kareem. That's wonderful. The UConn Huskies men's basketball team retired Ray Allen's jersey number 34 yesterday. And finally, the world's number one bridge player, has been banned after failing a drug test. Gear Helgemo, a 49-year-old Norwegian, has been suspended by the World Bridge Federation after testing positive for synthetic testosterone. And, uh, oh boy, I'm going to struggle with this. Clomiphene? Something? I'm not a doctor, but it's a treatment for infertility in women. And apparently he thought that'd help him be a better bridge player. That is strange. I thought you were going to say he was taking something like an ADHD med, like he was taking Adderall or something, or Ritalin that wasn't prescribed to him to help, you know, as a bridge player. There's there's guys that have been, they've been using that in the NFL for a long time. Mm -hmm. Defensive backs in particular have used uppers like Adderall and different things. And um, it's really more for an edge mentally, I guess they say, more than anything, but for a bridge player to be using testosterone, what, whatever. Well, Everything, it's there's, testosterone and it's women's infertility stuff. I mean, isn't that kind of like the opposite of each other? Yeah, I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. You need a dope to play bridge? I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess I guess any kind of edge, right? I don't even My know how to play bridge. I don't, I don't have a clue. Or euchre. <laughs> I, any of these, I don't even know. I don't even know. that. I, I have no idea. I can barely play cribbage. Tanner Hoops and Charlie Bramer in the studio with you. We promised we'd get to Andrew Bogut and Michelle. Andrew Bogut, a guy who was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks. He's got plenty yeah. of ties around here, maybe nearing an NBA return. And he's already drawn some interest from some teams, including the Warriors and the 76ers. And you were telling me off air, you've got a good story to be able to tell about him. Well, I got a fun Andrew Bogut story. I oh, Now, I always get confused what year it was. It was the year O.J. Mayo was playing basketball for USC. Mm. I think 04. 03 or 04, o- yeah. 05, maybe? Could be 05. We'll go with 04. 04, I think it was. That's the year I moved to, the year after I moved to Alaska. Anyways, basketball at that time, high school basketball in Alaska, Mario Chalmers was in our conference. There were some great players. Um, Trajan Langdon had just come out not long before that. Um Oh, my goodness. Now I'm just drawing huge blanks. But anyways, there was three or four guys in the NBA that had just come out of uh, high school and then obviously gone to college um, for a year. Uh, I think Trajan Langdon played longer for a year. He played at Duke, I believe. But anyway, basketball at the time in Alaska was really good. And they have uh, the Great Alaska Shootaround in Alaska. Um, and, and teams come from all around. You know, it's an invitational-type uh, NCAA basketball tournament and they had some great teams um i remember watching oj mayo play with usc and there was all kinds of great teams the utes were up that year um and the college teams were all in town there was 10 12 college teams in town they needed gyms to practice at so the utes came to our 
um, came to Chugiak High School and practiced, and it was just a lot of fun to have these guys there. I had no idea who Andrew Bogut was at the time. I had no idea that he was going to be a number one overall pick from the Bucks. But that's I was five foot ten freshman in high school, and I could dunk a basketball, and I thought I was the coolest dude ever. Um, and I, I thought I was really showing off to these uh, Utah Utes basketball players when I was dunking the ball, you know, and they probably weren't even paying attention to me. But it was just, it was just so cool to have such a high level players. And 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 at the time, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought. I was under this impression I was more their equal than I ever would become, which looking back on it now, that's like really embarrassing. I was probably carrying myself like a total idiot, but it was just so cool then um, the following year when the Bucks made him the number one overall draft pick. I was so stoked when the Bucks won the lottery and were able to do that, and I thought, well, now I'll forever have this story <laughs> of a little tie to to Andrew Bogut coming to our gym in high school and how I thought I was so cool trying to show off to him and and actually there's a whole another story where I tried to dunk a basketball without wearing shoes mm. I just had sh- I just had socks and uh, I ate the floor my feet touched the net and my head smacked into the floor don't ever try and play basketball Oof. without your basketball <laughs> shoes on that was a total America's Funniest Home video clip. That's what happens when you think you're too cool. You end up making a total fool of yourself. Well, you were dunking the basketball, and then this seven-foot Australian shows up and starts doing the same thing, maybe with a little more precision, huh? A little bit more. And he was, man, he was just so, you know, I had played against guys that that were big. Um, down in Wisconsin, some guys, um, you know, that went on and played for the Badgers in, in, in Marquette, some other Division One, and, and, you know, 6'10", 6'11", I thought these... But there was just something about Andrew Bogut's presence, man. He 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 just was big. Like, he was bigger. I always thought he was taller than 7 foot. I mm-hmm. always thought he was closer to, like, a 7'2". Well, I mean, he is 260, so he's thick, right? too. And, and, Maybe and, that adds to it. And I think that's what it is. I was, like, 5'10", 155. So this guy was just a mammoth compared to me. And I was always... I was really surprised at how well he moved. Mm-hmm. And and that was such a shame then when he came to the NBA and he had that nasty elbow injury. Mm-hmm. That was one of the worst. I That injury, Gordon Hayward's, the way he broke his leg, the way Bogut broke his elbow, those are some of the nastiest basketball injuries I've seen. Um, obviously, that guy from Louisville breaking his leg was a bad one, too. Yeah, Kevin Ware. Yeah, and, and, and I don't know. Uh, all this time off, has Andrew Bogut developed an outside shot? I always thought he had the capability. He was always a great free-throw shooter. He could knock down the mid-range jump shot. That was never his game. You know, it's like Brooke Lopez became the Brooklyn Nets at the time, the New Jersey Nets' all-time leading scorer, which is his little turnaround hook shot. And and now he's totally transformed his game in just a few years being an outside shooter. Andrew Bogut has a sweet-looking jumper. Maybe that's what... Maybe that's what we're going to be seeing out of him. I wouldn't be surprised. I think he, he has the ability. And and I'm thinking about guys like Rafe LaFrance mm. and, and centers from back in the day. These guys have to be licking their chops thinking, oh, my gosh, if I could have, if the game would have been a spread-the-floor type of game like it is now back then, mm-hmm. Rafe LaFrance, I mean, he would have been a perennial all-star with his abilities if, if he was in the NBA now. Well, I tell you what, Bogut's 34 years old, but it's not like he's a guy that's just been sitting on his couch. He has been playing professionally okay. in his native Australia with the Sydney yeah. Kings. And now the report is that the Warriors are planning to sign him, that the Warriors are going to sign him ahead of the 76ers. So if Bogut's still got some left in the tank, and I do think he does, I don't think he's going to be 
anywhere close to what he used to be, but will he contribute and be a positive impact for the Warriors? Absolutely, I believe he will. So if that's the case, Warriors team just got a little bit more scary. Yeah, and he's a rim protector. Um, he's a guy that um, he he can he can. Uh, that was another thing. Um, he could guard not just fives. He could guard forwards that could shoot the ball on mm-hmm. the outside. He he wasn't bad on pick and roll switching defense. Um, who's older, Pau Gasol or or Andrew Bogut? Is is I would Gasol, say Gasol, isn't he? I would think. Let's look it up. How um, old is Paul Gasol? Remember we tried this with Mac Brown and the right. series said he was 18, so I'm going to Google it. Paul Gasol. A- a- age 38, born in 1980. Yeah. Um, it says on his Wikipedia, it says shoe size 50. I think that's wrong. Well, that's Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, I think that's wrong. He's listed 7 foot. Man, he was drafted in 2001. He's a 3rd round or third overall pick by the Atlanta Hawks, coming to Milwaukee. Um, Gasol got out of $2.5 million out of his deal with the Spurs. I don't know what the Bucks are going to be paying him. I don't know how much playing time he's going to get. But, you know, you wonder why Gasol, you know, I thought that would have been a really good fit with the Warriors. And they have more of a need there. I was expecting him to go to the Warriors. Um, I don't know if there's something like we said. Is there something that the Warriors see in Bogut that we haven't seen yet? Um, it, it's just strange to me that Gasol is coming to Milwaukee instead of going to the Warriors. I thought he was going to go to the Warriors. Even though I heard he was coming to Milwaukee, it just seemed like more of a natural fit. Tell you what, let's stick with the NBA for the final three and a half minutes we have in this segment. Adam Silver made some comments over the weekend regarding the NBA players' overall happiness. Apparently, a lot of NBA players have come to him and they voiced their displeasure maybe with how things are. And they're not upset with him, but they're just not happy. They feel like they're going through the motions with the league right now, that you don't have that team camaraderie anymore, which I can totally understand based on how the league has trended. You know, Isaiah Thomas said that championships are won on the bus because you have that team chemistry and camaraderie, and there's so much to that. And you don't see that a lot in the modern day NBA you certainly didn't have that with the Timberwolves uh with Jimmy Butler and I don't know that they have it in Philadelphia to be honest with you Boston certainly doesn't have it right now the Lakers don't have it right now and you have a lot of these teams that are perennially gonna be good I know the Lakers haven't been for a while but they're still such a storied franchise they're up there and you look at a team like Milwaukee with the success they've had this year they have great chemistry you know because a lot of those guys know that they're going to be there they know their role so that's one thing I thought was interesting about the commissioner's comments the other is the fact that these players went directly to the commissioner like first of all that they have direct access to the commissioner to be able to voice these concerns second of all they didn't go through their coach their owner their GM they went directly to the commissioner I I think it is such a wonderful thing to see a commissioner. Could, could you ever, would you, do you think you would ever hear such a thing about Roger Goodell? No, and I don't think it would have happened with David Stern either. It just seems to me I've always got kind of a warm and fuzzy feeling from Adam Silver. I don't need to get into any more detail of it than that. Mm-hmm. I will spare you the other details. <laughs> there are no other details. But I've just always gotten positive vibes from Adam Silver, however you want to put it. And this just confirms it all. I mean, he even says it. From from the average person's standpoint, standpoint it's hard to see what these young men have to complain about. Mm-hmm. 
but they're personalized. A lot of where these guys come from, you know, we we say, um, oh, Giannis, Giannis came from the streets of of, of Greece. You know, um, he doesn't have anything to worry about now. He's made it now, mm-hmm. but that still follows these guys things that they've seen things that they've been to they can't take care of everybody whether it's back in their communities no matter how much money they make they can never solve the problems of the places they've come from and the things that they've been through so these guys have a lot on their minds in a lot of and imagine the stress of trying to perform at this high level mm-hmm. when, when you have these underlying it's essentially certain types of ptsd which like we said before we're not doctors but the stuff is real and the trauma is real and some of these guys have come up and they've grown up in cities like chicago which now are more dangerous than war zones in afghanistan there's more homicide and death and these these guys come from really tough places and it's wonderful that adam silver is there it's just it's just a fresh breath of humanity it's it's somebody talking the talk and walking the walk so many guys talk the talk and then they're just roger goodell and they don't walk the walk oh we care so much we love all of our players and and we can't get these guys lifetime health insurance for crying out loud and and these college players can't even get health insurance for crying out loud adam silver is walking the walk and he's running a players league and it's only going to get better the nba is only going to profit from it this is just a wonderful thing to see and hopefully he's setting an example for other leagues to follow suit because if they don't they're they're fools because the nba is nothing but successful and Major League Baseball and NFL have been trending downwards the last couple years now, so hopefully they get the message. Charlie Bramer in the studio with us. We owe you our last time out when we come back. A couple of generational icons passed away today, including one that means the world to the communities of Detroit and the hockey community as a whole. Plus, in wake of Bryce Harper's contract, we take a look at the most expensive starting nine in Major League Baseball history. All next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Charlie Bramer with you. Don't forget to vote in our Twitter polls on ESPN-UP's Twitter. You can vote for your favorite movie of all time. And don't forget Westwood Patriot girls basketball this evening, taking on Nagani in the district opener for both teams, 19-1 against 16-4. It's going to be a fun one. 6.45 pregame, 7 o'clock tip here on ESPN-UP. Extremely unfortunate news as Red Wings legend and Hockey Hall of Famer Ted Lindsay passed away at the age of 93. He was a guy that's done so much for the Red Wings as a whole, for the NHL. Hockey's not going to be the same without him. He's a guy that has started so many traditions that have changed the face of the NHL. Ted Lindsay started the tradition of skating around the rink with the Stanley Cup back in 1950. He changed the way the Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremonies were ran back in 1966 when he was being inducted himself into the Hall of Fame. He boycotted his own induction because his wife and his family weren't allowed to be there because no wives and no families were allowed to be there. And because of him, 
that rule changed that in 1967 onward the NHL allowed wives and families to attend their husband's hockey hall of fame induction ceremonies he's a guy that's done so much for the NHL for the hockey community as a whole for the Red Wings he's going to be surely missed Ted Lindsay was 93 Earlier this afternoon, Luke Perry, the actor from Beverly Hills 90210 in Riverdale, passed away suddenly at the age of 52, suffered a massive stroke. You hadn't heard about that? No, I did not. Just after lunchtime today, Luke Perry passed away. Luke Perry passed away. Wow. That's sad. We lost a couple of great ones today. I'm telling you, man, it's only going to keep getting worse. Well, it gets it gets tougher as you get yeah. older because you get to know these guys. They're part of your culture that right? you grew up with and what have you. Yeah, and and as we continue to get older, it's just going to be more and more and more, particularly in sports, these sports greats. Um, it's not going to be too long. There's going to be no more guys from the Lombardi teams. No. I mean, it, it's just it's just so strange how it seemed like 20 years ago I was a little kid you know, you you didn't hear so much about. I I don't know if it's because of social media. It, it's more like c- common news when someone passes. It's it gets around really quick. But it it just seems you know, and and obviously with with you know the average age in the United States alone is is becoming older and older. So you know, it, it's just a tough topic, and it just for some reason it seems like more and more people that have done wonderful things and more and more people that are are solid parts of our childhood and our lives are passing away than ever before it it just is weird i don't really know how to put it it just seems that way it's unfortunate because you lose a lot of those great ones today's three four march 4th and as twins fans we remember kirby puckett today because oh, yes. his jersey number 34 you know and it's it's part of life, and I know that we've all lost someone who's close to us. I know that's nothing exclusive for anybody, and you know it's unfortunate when that happens, but you try to celebrate the good times with them. And I am so glad you brought up Kirby Puckett because mm-hmm. as a man and as a baseball player, people do not remember how, how good of a hitter. That guy was such, he was such a talented, pure hitter. And then he was equally as good of a guy. I mean, he was just perfect for for the Minnesota Twins organization. I mean, what a perfect fit they were together. And then you throw in guys like come like Paul Molitor going over, and and there were some great Twins teams there. I'm so glad they were able to win some World Series, um, even if they were playing in the Metrodome. But it, I mean, and 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 I think about guys, you know, like uh, Kareem. And, and and these guys that are getting older that do these wonderful mm-hmm. things and and you just really hope that you know like you talk about Ray Allen getting his jersey um uh retired today at Connecticut you hope that some of these guys like Ray Allen and and Dirk Nowitzki guys that are have retired and will be retiring can can take the place of of these greats with their charitable work and with just the humanity just just the wonderful humanity like 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 Adam Silver just being good people and and you just hope that they fill the void that's left behind by these greats that have passed on now in the last few years well here's your Kirby Puckett stat of the day he's cool. one of only 11 players in major league history to have 3 seasons of 215 hits or more wow see and that is just pure 
pure hitting right there. And there's two of them that have done it since him. Only two. Would you have any idea who those two would be? Oh, my goodness. Um, I, At least three seasons of 215 hits or more. Has Mike Trout done it? Nope. Not yet. Not I'm Albert. Sure he will do it. Albert Pujols is nope. the name I would. Ichiro. Ichiro has done it. There's one. There's one of them. Um, who's another guy with the high average, high, high on base percentage? I, I would just be sitting here naming off names. You're going to have to tell me. Michael Young from the Rangers. Wow. I never would have guessed Michael Young. He's a player that people forget about and they shouldn't. Exactly. He was such a good player back in the day. Yeah, and I feel totally bad now that I would have listed two or three dozen other names and not even thought about Michael Young. And and that's just a shame. You forget how, about how good of pure hitters some of these mm-hmm. guys were playing on for teams like the Rangers. I think of Rafael Palmero, yeah. not Michael Young. Well, I tell you what, we segued into baseball nicely. So in wake oh. of Bryce Harper signing his $330 million 13-year contract with the Phillies, wow. let's do this. Let's put together a starting nine. Plus a DH, starting pitcher, closer, what have you, of the biggest contracts in Major League Baseball history. Let's do it. Wow. And here, let's start behind the plate with a backstop. A guy who got this contract as a catcher, and he ended his career in a different position. Mr. Joe Maurer. Eight years, $184 million. Joe Maurer got that contract fresh off winning the AL MVP with Minnesota back in March 2010. First base, Miguel Cabrera. Eight years, $248 million. Uh, They traded for him in December of 2007. Over the next six seasons, he was just dominant. Still, he's got it. He's battled father time a little bit, but he's won back-to-back MVPs and three consecutive batting titles. Hard to say he wasn't worthy of that. No, and... and I'm looking for him to have a big season this year. Yeah, I think he's, he's gonna going have to. to. I think he still do. I think he, it's still there. I think he still has the talent. I don't think he's slowed down as much as some people think. The second baseman in the most expensive contracts of all time in Major League Baseball, Robinson Cano. He okay. got 10 years, $240 million. That came after winning a World Series with the Yankees in 2009. He... Got the big offer from Seattle in 2013. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there's not any Milwaukee Brewers on this list. I don't believe there are, no. I was surprised there was a Minnesota twin. <laughs> I was, yes, that's when do they have the money to do that in the right? Yeah, it's wonderful. They'll shell it out for Maurer, though, a hometown guy. There's yep. no way they'd have ever let him go. No. Nope. Third baseman, pretty easy guess. Manny Machado, 10 years, $300 million, happened last month. He uh, signed with them uh, for what was a Alex Rodriguez-esque deal. Yeah. Uh, Machado, you knew he was going to get something long-term, but now he's going to be part of a pretty good San Diego infield. And and what, do you, what does that do for the San Diego team for you? Does that put them in the wild card race this year? Not yet. Not yet. I still think they're banking on that minor league system, which is ranked number one. It's unreal. I think... Two or three years from now, they might not only be wild card, but they could be 85 game winners maybe two to three years from now. I Man, I honestly I honestly believe that they will be in the wild card hunt this year mm-hmm. if they, they have the talent to make some trades happen and, and if a few players step it up. Um, oh, my gosh, I forget. They had a young right fielder last year. Um, oh, 
and he was just knocking the top off the now ball. Now they've got Kinsler and Hosmer. The last third of the year, yep, and they've got some. They've added some veterans to help these young guys along. If some of these young guys can take that next step, and then you bring in a guy like Machado, they got some decent arms, man. They they and they have the equity to make trades at the deadline. If if teams like the Cubs disappoint, like I think they will, man, it's going to be wide open for the Padres. I didn't mean to get off on a Padres tangent, but that move, I think, means a lot more to their franchise, and it moves their needle more than some people might expect. The highest-paid shortstop contract is the oldest of anybody on this list because it came back in 2000. Alex Rodriguez, 10 years, $252 million. That is the most lucrative deal ever for a shortstop. Jason Hayward gets one of the outfield spots, 8 oh. years, $184 million with the Cubs. That that's just that's one of the worst contracts in history. <laughs> if you look at his career OPS, I mean, supposedly his defensive metrics are great, but he has been he he has been so overrated with the bat. It, it's unreal, yeah. and and really his throwing arm is not as good as people like to make it out to be either. Since he signed with the Cubs, he's played 395 games. He's hit 252, a slash line of 252, 322, 367, 26 homers, 165 RBIs. So is his OPS what you said 322 and 367? Mm-hmm. So his OPS is under 700. Yep. He's got an Orlando Arcia-esque OPS, <laughs> and, 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 and that's just an, that was such a terrible deal. The last two outfielders should be no surprise. John Carlos Stanton and Bryce Harper. Stanton went for 13 years, $325 million. Harper, 13 years, $330 million. <laughs> and I think there are outfields in Major League Baseball that are better than that than those oh, three of them. Especially defensively. Defen- and, and that's where they get the edges defensively. Um, I think the Milwaukee Brewers have a better, if, if, you, would, if you include the platoon of it's going to be a lot of Ben Gamble, and and I just really think Ryan Braun's going to have a, re- a little bit of a resurgence of a year. He's going to be facing mostly left-handed pitchers. He had the highest hard-hit contact rate of his career last year. He hit into more hard outs than anybody percentage-wise in baseball, and he has tweaked his swing. I believe you said it. He had the same swing since T-ball. Mm-hmm. He has tweaked his swing for the first time in his career for launch angle. His his batting average might go down into the 250s, 260s, but he will hit more home runs this year. My going out on a limb is he's going to have a 30-home run season. It's About in the bank and earning interest. Another minute of the show. Here's the last three spots. Albert Pujols gets the highest ever contract for a DH. Ten years, $240 million. That came after the 2012 season. He rejected maybe a little bit of an offensive offer. It was kind of low from the Cardinals and he took the Angels up on theirs. Starting pitcher David Price, seven years, $217 million. That came with the Red Sox in December of 2015. And for a closer, Aroldis Chapman, five years, $86 million. Not nearly on the same tier as the rest of them, but pretty good for a closer. It's surprising that more of them weren't in the last three or four years, but that just goes to show how the market's playing out in baseball right now. And, And I don't think it's a bad thing that these guys aren't getting signed until spring training i think teams are looking and identifying their needs more i don't think there's any collusion i just think that you know they 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 need to have a a free agency more of a tight free agency period they have to have some some rules in place otherwise there's going to be 
there's no deadline there i mean guys are gonna it's just gonna keep going longer and longer and longer into spring trading and as a fan that's frank it's pretty annoying charlie bramer's in the studio with us that is it for us appreciate you as always my dude glad to have you we'll look forward to next week don't forget Westwood Patriot girls basketball this evening, 645 pregame, 7 o'clock tip-off right here on ESPN-UPWZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.